Good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing well on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. I hope you're loving your city. We're being the hands and the feet of Jesus out there in the world. That it's not about us. If we're in Christ, we're safe and secure. And that it's all about reaching more people for Jesus because he's coming back. And we want as many people to know about his grace and his mercy and his love and come into a relationship with him as we possibly can. So we have a comedy night coming up. I hope you'll join us for that March 16th. Uh, we are, are focusing our attention here at Burlington Christian Church anyway on uh, our child's safety. And so we're, we're doing some things just uh, to make you aware that uh, you'll see some things happening around our building that uh, will help secure and keep our kids more safe. This is my uh, turn time middle school baseball team. Uh, these are the guys I'm going to get to work with for the next uh, three months. And so, uh, as you can see, they are um, very interesting group of guys. And uh, we'll see how things go, but it will be fun. I will tell you that much. Your faith has saved you. You know, if somebody says that to you, your faith has saved you, you've got, no, it hasn't. God saved me. Yes, God, God provided salvation. That is true. But if you don't put your trust in him, if you don't put your faith in him, you will be lost forever. So it isn't about what God has done. What God has done is in place and right there for anyone. We have to connect to him. We have to put our faith in him. And when we do that, our faith in his grace saves us. That connection. God has designed it in such a way that he allows us to move toward him as he moves toward us, but it must be a mutual surrendering to, to him that we have in our life. Your faith has saved you. And what we're doing now is we, we've taken it up a notch. We're talking about some interesting Bible characters who had not just faith, but extreme faith. And uh, so today, today, uh, we're talking about a guy by the name of Moses. Okay, we started this last week. We're going to continue it today and get through this hopefully today. And what God said to Moses that we're going to really kind of lead up to and build up to is Moses part that sea. Now, that's incredible when you think about that, when you think about the, the millions of people that went out, almost probably two million people left Egypt walking with Moses. And God parts the sea uh, and they all walk through it on dry ground. It's an incredible story that we're going to lead up to. And so we set the stage, Exodus chapter 2, Moses is born. He's no ordinary guy. And his story is really one miracle after another. The Hebrew children have become slaves in Egypt. They are oppressed, uh, they are burdened, and they are miserable. In fact, in Exodus 3, 7, the Lord sees their misery and the Lord hears their cry. That is something that is good news for you and me today. God sees what's going on in your life. God sees what's being done in this country. God sees it and he hears the cries of those who cry out to him, God, please do something. God, please uh, have your way in this place, in this country, in my life, and in my community, and, and in, in our world. God hears it and he sees it. And so he sends Moses 
on this rescue mission to get the people, his children, out of Egypt and lead them to what he promised Abraham years ago, that is the promised land. Now consider this for a minute, if you would, with me. If God sent me, or if God sent you on a rescue mission, who would he send you to rescue? Think about that for a second. If God sent you on a rescue mission, who would he send you to reach? What would be a part of his decision to, to, to use you? And who are the people or what is the group or what is the need out there that God would send you to? Think about that. Really just kind of stew on that for one minute. You think about Moses. Moses grew up in Egypt. Moses had been on the run from Egypt. Moses' people were still in Egypt. And God chose Moses to go back to Egypt. It's interesting how God chooses people who have been through stuff to go back to the stuff and reach people that are stuck in that stuff. What would God send you to do? What would be the rescue mission that he would handcraft for you? Well, nine times, God gives Pharaoh a chance to let the people go. And nine times, Pharaoh says no. And it took the death of the firstborn, uh, firstborn of every family, both people and beast, and then Pharaoh decides to let the people go. And approximately, as we said, a couple million people head out of Egypt and they're marching out into the desert to worship God. They are delivered from Egypt to worship God. And in chapter 13, here's what it says. When Pharaoh, did we read this last week? This is where we're going to kind of get going again, okay? So we'll... We'll just review, we're reviewed, we're going to kind of overlap a little and move forward. Here we go. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them through the road to the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward, uh, road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, Joseph had made the Israelites swear on oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sokoth, they, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By, the, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them and on their on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by night or by day, by day or by night. Neither the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so Pharaoh lets the people go. God has some business to finish up with them. That determines where they're going to go, what direction they're going to walk out into the desert, and God picks his his uh, path for them very carefully, as he does with us. But he's got business to finish up with the children. He's got to build faith in them and trust in them, as if the plagues weren't enough and the, the death of the firstborn weren't enough. Now God still knows he's got to deal with their unbelief. 
They're wanting to go back to Egypt. But God also has to deal with this Pharaoh. And he's going to do that in a mighty powerful way. We noted that when they left Egypt, they left Egypt ready for battle. So they walk out into the wilderness knowing that this is not going to be easy. They are going to have to fight for it. Or at least, at the very least, they might have to fight for their freedom to be delivered. That's pretty cool. Because sometimes we got to fight for it too. Not the grace. It's there. It's all there. God's grace is all there. It's all intact. We don't have to fight for that. It's there. But we have to fight ourselves sometimes. We have to fight what's going on in our own world. we got to fight some of the things we have gotten ourselves into. And we're going to have to fight our... It's going to take a strong will and, a, and an act of surrender and, and, a, and a decision to say, I'm going to obey God rather than my feelings or my emotions or, or, or the people around me. I'm going to obey the Lord. It may, you may have to go out ready for battle. In fact, we have to go out into the world ready for battle all the time because the enemy is constantly coming up against you and your family and your kids and our community and our country and the world. The enemy wants to destroy anything and everything that God has made good and created in his image. Extreme faith is ready to fight. Extreme faith is ready to watch the glory of God, if that's what needs to happen. And extreme faith is ready to just lift our hands to the Lord and watch the glory of God do something miraculous. Extreme faith is just ready to do whatever God is doing and walk with God and let God lead the way and, and just watch and see the glory of God, but to be ready to, to act when God says, go. God didn't leave them to fend for themselves, right? With Abraham, remember with Abraham, God said, look, Abraham, leave your homeland and just start walking out into the wilderness. I will show you where you're going. But with these people here, God goes out ahead of them, right? A, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day goes ahead of them. God is continually providing for them direction. He's, he's right there with him or with them. This pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of uh, fire at night. And so they march on out of Egypt with this Goshen, the land of Goshen over there. And they, they, uh, they first encamp at Sokoth and then over here uh, in, in Elam, but Pi-ha-haroth, Pi-ha-haroth is where they're going to cross the Red Sea right there. Now, it doesn't look very big right there, but it's, it's got to be pretty mighty because, because not only did these two million people walk through it on dry ground as God creates these walls on both sides, but when Pharaoh's army went in, they were completely destroyed. So this isn't a puddle. This isn't a creek. This is, this is a sea. This is a lot of water. This is enough water to destroy a lot of people and, and crush a lot of horses and chariots. So it's a, a pretty mighty thing. Almost a four-week journey from Goshen to the crossing of the sea. Almost a month went by from the time they left to the time Pharaoh comes to, uh, to attack them. Remember, around 600,000 men. You had women, you had children, 
and you're at uh, 2 million easily. God knows that Pharaoh will have a change of heart and that Pharaoh is going to come out after them. He knows this and only in God's all-knowing power has this booby trap been set. And don't you just love that? Like to the Israelites, they're going the long way. To Moses, they're probably wondering, why are we going this way? The desert's right there. We can just go on into the desert and, and keep moving. But no, God has got us now what seems to be trapped between the desert and a, and a Pharaoh's army and this Red Sea that we can't just swim across with all of our cattle and kids. And so Moses and the Israelites are going to be the cheese at the booby trap. And the sea is going to be the trap. Moses is going to have to just trust God. They're going to have to learn to trust God even if things don't look right or good. Pharaoh is being lured right into the trap. Come and get the cheese, Pharaoh. Come on and get it, right? And here they are, what seems like a dead end, Pharaoh and his army on the way to the slaughter, and it will appear that God's people are the ones that are trapped. Did God make a mistake? Right? Did, did we make a wrong turn? Maybe we should have stayed in Egypt as slaves, but, but now it, it, it seems that we are doomed to die here in the desert. How many times in our own life do we, are we faced with these kinds of thoughts? Like, do I just stay where it's safe and secure and don't risk too much? Or do I walk out in faith and, and, and do something crazy because I know that God wants me to? I saw this post this week. It said this, if you're worried about the cost of getting started to, to try something new, you should see the price of staying exactly where you are. If they would have stayed right where they were in Egypt, they would have been enslaved for their entire history. Their children would be enslaved and they would have died off in Egypt. Deciding to walk out of that, that country was a risk worth taking because the price of staying is far too great. See, for us as people, like for us as individuals, the price of staying where we are is too high. We have got to be willing to move out. We've got to be willing to trust God to take us wherever he wants us to take us. And if he's leading you to go do something, go and do it. Don't just sit where you are because it's comfortable. Let God stretch you. Let him move in you. Let him show you he can do more in you than you could ever imagine. And just walk in faith in that. That's what it means to walk in faith. If you could do it without God, why do you need God? If it's something God wants you to do, he'll help you do it. He'll provide everything you need to get the job done. It may seem like it's not working out at times, and it may seem like it's impossible hurdles and obstacles in your way, but God will show you that he will break down every one of them. He will move them out of the way. He will part them, and he will have you walk through them. You just trust. You just trust God. For us as a church, this is so true. 
We can't just stay where we are. We were not created to maintain the ship. We were created to move forward as a mighty army, moving out into the community, reaching people. What can God do in us in the years to come? What can God do with his church on this earth in the years to come? That's what we want to see happen. That's what I want to see happen. God, do something great in us. Their circumstance will seem impossible. There is no way out. They are doomed. It would seem to die right here in the desert, trapped between the Red Sea and the mighty army of Pharaoh of Egypt. It's over. We're doomed. Or is it? Or is it? How many of you have seen that God is the God of reversals. Like that's what he is. He is the God of reversals. When everything seems hopeless, God is, is able to maneuver this move and change the entire outcome. For Jonah, he gets thrown into the ocean and it seemed over. He is going to drown and die out there in the middle of the ocean. And God provides this big fish. For Moses, he was facing death as a baby. All the other babies died. He's put in a basket, thrown out in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him. That's a rescue. Noah is facing extinction. God tells him to build this ark, this boat, and he does it, and he's saved. Daniel is, is sitting in a den with a bunch of hungry lions and they don't eat him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into this fiery furnace and God saves them. Last week we talked about Peter on Wednesday night. Peter is about to die in prison because uh, Herod had just killed James, uh, John's brother, and now Peter's arrested and this is pleasing the Jews. And Peter is next to die when an angel in the last hours rescues Peter out of the prison. Man, God is a God of rescues. He's a God of reversals. When everything seems impossible, God is able to turn it all around. Have you ever uh, seen, have you seen the movie, the new movie, uh, Top Gun uh, Maverick uh, with Tom Cruise? By the way, a great, great acting movie. Great actors in this movie. I love this movie. It's a really cool movie to watch, mainly because there's fighter jets and cool stuff like that. But the acting is really good. So shout out to all of our actors and actresses out there. Great job. Thank you for uh, bringing to life uh, these movies for us and uh, these plays for us and, and what you do in the arts. We appreciate that. There's this scene, though, where Maverick, his jet, takes a missile. He's he covers for another jet. He takes a missile. His plane goes down. He ejects out of the cockpit. And he falls into enemy territory. And he's on the ground. And he comes to. Um, and he kind of comes to. And he kind of wakes up. And he hears, he hears this aircraft coming his way. The enemy is all over him. And here's what it is. It is this highly sophisticated helicopter decked out with rockets and machine guns. It's the Mil Mai 24 assault gunship attack helicopter. This is one bad mambo jambo, kind of like the Harrier pilot. You know, it's it's got this like this kind of muscle kind of looking thing. This is what this looks like. And and he's got he's got he's got Maverick in his sights. This fighting beast has comes around the trees 
and Maverick has nowhere to go, and Maverick is about to be obliterated. Like, he's about to be just shredded to pieces by these guns, these machine guns. He has no chance. He's staring at this helicopter, and he has absolutely no chance when out of nowhere, nowhere, Mav's wingman, Goose's son, who they call Rooster, Bradley, saves the day. He comes in from this side and he fires his missiles at this helicopter and he destroys the helicopter before the helicopter is able to hit the guns and destroy Maverick. He saves the day. A last millisecond rescue. How cool is that? So many movies are like that. But that is how our God is. Sometimes he lets us go right to the very brink of, of devastation. And then he reaches in and he saves us. This is the moment in Moses' life that he is going to draw from for years to come. Every trial that he will face. Every challenge that will come his way. Every impossible wall. Moses will remember this moment when they were trapped between the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army. And they had nowhere to go and there was no way out. And God came through again. Isn't it awesome? I think it's just so awesome when God gives us these little glimmer of moments, maybe not a Red Sea like this kind of thing, but when God gives us these little moments of miraculous power in our life, when he, he does that little thing in your life that you know, there's no way I could have done that. There's no way anybody else could have done that. That had to be God. Only God would be able to pull that off. I hope you've had those moments in your life, a taste of the supernatural working in your life for you on your behalf. These moments, they help us through the challenges that are going to come because we remember God is faithful. The, the reminders of his faithfulness of the past and God will be faithful in the future. He did it before and he'll do it again. Exodus 14, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, here's the unbelief and the doubt again, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert, oh, ye of little faith, oh, the doubt. And I know that's easy for us to say. If we were in their situation, we'd probably be whining and crying just like they were. It comes, though, so naturally, this doubt and this, this whininess, this, this lack of faith, the uncertainty. Will God come through? Is he listening? Is he aware? Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you. I love that faith, don't you? The Egyptians, 
you, you see today will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only, you need only to be still and watch the glory of God do his thing. And there they are trapped. There's this standoff. Moses, that's a great speech. Good words. Love it. Sounds really positive. Make me feel good. But here we are still at the sea and there's this army ready to destroy us. And where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Moses and the Israelite children on one hand, uh, who remember left Egypt ready for battle, and then Pharaoh and his chariots and horses and armor. Like, what are they against him? When God steps in. <clears throat> it's at this very moment when it's all brought to this, this final second, the confrontation is about to happen, and God steps in. In the impossible becomes possible. God's people of faith see the birth of a miracle. Again, they're going to see a birth of a miracle. That very moment when the supernatural God and his power enters the scene of our reality in life. Remember for Noah, for Noah, he builds this ark. But, but that supernatural steps in when the rain begins to fall. And he begins to realize God, God is doing exactly what God said he would do. Or, or Jonah, when, when he goes overboard, you know, and he's thinking, I'm done, it's over, I'm going to drown. And God provides this great big fish to swallow him up and save him. Or Joshua at Jericho as they're marching around the walls wondering, what are we doing? This is kind of dumb. What kind of battle strategy is this? Only to see the walls of Jericho begin to crumble and the dust begin to rise. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they go into the furnace and their clothes are uncharred, they're not burned up. See, that split second moment when they notice when God's people notice that what should have uh, happened didn't and miracle did. See, that's that very moment when, the, when God steps in and, and what we think is about to happen doesn't happen. And a miracle takes place instead. I hope you've experienced this. I hope you've seen this in your own life, that, that, that against all odds, God comes through and he, he pulls you through because God still rolls stones away. He does in our lives. They might be smaller stones, but they're stones nonetheless. And he pulls them away and he, he opens the door and he leads us out. God gives Moses his marching orders. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch it out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. This sounds crazy. It will, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will no longer uh, go, go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And so God makes the promise 
to Abraham or, or to, to Moses, Moses, you know, just raise your hands, lift that staff and, and trust me, Moses, I will do what I am saying I will do. The word of God is right there in front of Moses. God has spoken this to Moses. Moses knows exactly what God said and what he should do. But the reality of it all is still, they're between a rock and a hard place. And now it's decision time for Moses. Do I go to the edge of the sea and raise this stick with the risk of looking like a fool? Or do I write off God's instructions as crazy, old-fashioned, outdated, culturally irrelevant, and take matters into my own hands. See, we're so good at that. We're so good at that. When push comes to shove, and God pushes us to the very edge of our limits, how many times do we bail? And we just do what we think we should do. We write off that God's going to get us out of it and we just take matters into our own hands. And this is exactly where Moses is, only with two million people. He's in the battle of his mind and he is in the battle of his soul. None of this makes sense. It defies all logic that this sea is somehow going to spread open. And he's got to be thinking, what have I done? What have I done? Have you been here? Like, really? Like, have you been in this kind of situation, second-guessing your convictions, wondering if you missed something? Why did I bring my kids and my family to Bible college? We're, we're struggling through this. I've got to work five jobs in the midst of this. Is this really the right thing that I should have done for my family? Did I hear God right? Did I hear him correctly? Well, I got to tell you, this is the perfect place to be. This is where you want to be. It's the battle of the flesh and the spirit inside of us. And what it means is that you're in the battle. What it means is that you're, 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 you're supposed to feel this way. You're supposed to feel this tension between the physical and the spiritual. It means you're alive and you're in the, in the war, torn between two worlds, torn between two kingdoms battling inside of you. Don't freak out. Stay calm. Walk in faith. Do what Moses said. Stand firm and watch the glory of the Lord. You walk according to God's truth and you will be just fine. The flesh is so weak, so full of doubt, so full of insecurity, and the spirit is so willing, hungering for another miracle. And I hope your spirit, I hope our spirit is hungering for another miracle that we want to see God do something that we can't do without him. That our hearts haven't gone cold or calloused. That our hope in Jesus is still alive and fresh, waiting and wanting and poised to move out for his glory. The evidence of God is all around. 
Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Israel, or Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. <clears throat> this is God's protection. This is God's provision. This is God saying, I will fight this battle for you. You just obey me. Can you just picture this? I mean, this is a crazy standoff, right? You got these armies, you got the sea, you got these pillars. Pharaoh can't get to Israel. Israel doesn't want to get to Pharaoh, but they can't go forward because, because the sea is there. God is standing it literally in the gap. And here comes, here comes the moment of truth. And here comes the moment of faith. And here comes the moment of belief. Look what it says. Then Moses. Remember, he's got a battle with this. Do I do this or don't I do this? He stretches out his hand over the sea. And all that night... The Lord, all that night, this didn't happen instantly. It took time for this to happen because God brings this wind in. Uh, he, God drove back the sea with the strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Did you get that? In the most important moment of time for Moses and Israel, it happened. It happened. The impossible happened. The miraculous happened. The supernatural interacting with Moses and the physical happened. What happened was Moses did what God said. This is the act of faith. This is a great act of faith. In the midst of any doubt or any confusion or any questioning, in and among disbelief or self-aware weakness, in the end, Moses simply obeyed the word of the Lord. That's what he did. That's all he did. Look what it says, verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and, and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had been followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them, not one of them survived. Wow, that is impressive. So impressive. Here comes Pharaoh. Here comes his mighty army. They come marching out into the trap and the trap goes, whap, you're done. It's over. Complete devastation. God had business to take care of with Pharaoh and he took care of it right here. 
Verse 29, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. The Israelites saw that the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in him and Moses, his servant. Did you see that? God had to deal with them. God had to deal with our hearts. And this is how God chose to show them his mighty power, his mighty flexing of his muscles and his greatness. He wiped them out and they feared the Lord. This is the business God had to deal with them. They had to trust. They had to learn to trust and fear God and put their trust in him and in Moses for the days to come. But even then we know, as we know the rest of the story, they kept forgetting this. They kept doubting and they kept walking in disbelief, whining and crying for them to go back to Egypt. But in this moment right here, what amazing, what an amazing rescue story of God. Moses, part that sea. That's incredible. I hope the next time you hear those words, you'll remember what took place all that was going on in this story how how part to see god well moses take your staff that's in your hand and raise it over the sea that's it and then watch the lord do his thing the supernatural power of god is about to collide with the faith of this one man and here's the thing here's the thing you guys god can do all this without us he can do this without us. Without God, none of this happens. None of this happens. But here's the other thing. Without Moses or without a Moses, it doesn't happen either. God has chosen, for, for whatever reason, to use people in his work, in his plan, in his greatness, in his miracle story. He has chosen to use somebody who is full of faith, one person that will trust him no matter what. And here's the cool thing. You can be that person. You and I can be that person that God is looking for to do a mighty work in this world. I wish we, I hope we will hunger. Hunger for a miracle of God and walk in faith and obedience to the Lord every day. Moses, your faith has saved you and not just you but the entire israelite nation and that's no small thing that is extreme faith you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week god bless you peace out